0: Chapter 24 of Aunt Hannah and Martha and John by Pansy and Mrs. C.M. Livingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter 24 Complications. But this mood passed. Alec Palmer was not thirty-six hours older before he was made aware that it was all very well for him to say that he would have nothing more to do with Elsie Chilton the fact remained that this fair-faced girl with her sweet voice and thoughtful eyes held a place in his heart from which not even her unaccountable lack of sympathy with his views could remove her he was even conscious of the fact that there had been of late an added something about her which while it annoyed at the same time held him it was no use to think of giving her up moreover and here the calibre of the man showed itself they had gone too far to consider such a question in the circle in which they both moved it was the recognized thing to make no secrets of marriage engagements perhaps the most sensible position which the fashionable world took at that time was the eminently proper one of behaving in a rational manner in this respect instead of acting as though an engagement involving marriage was a thing to be concealed to be blushed over to be giggled over or to be covered with language which if not utterly false approached to the very verge of falsehood fashion decreed that marriage engagements should be duly announced at a convenient time and congratulations were received with the dignity which the subject demanded among their intimate friends the Chilton palmer engagement had been formally announced and the usual courtesies exchanged therefore for alec palmer to have the petty gossips of their world set on the croix vive over their affairs whispering that the engagement had been broken off and conjecturing all sorts of wild reasons was a humiliation not to be thought of almost stronger than his ambitious schemes and his love for his own way was this gentleman's pride not that he had the remotest idea of giving up his own way so little did he understand the young woman whom he expected to marry that it did not seriously occur to him that there could be two settled opinions about the way to take his judgment would rule of course in all outward affairs only it was so disagreeable so like second-rate novels he told himself in a vexed consciousness to have discussions over such matters but for the unwarranted interferences of the remingtons with their affairs and their unaccountable influence over elsie nothing of this sort would have occurred to mar his peace is it any wonder that he grew more out of tolerance every moment with people whom he had never liked yet he anticipated no serious trouble why should there be trouble was he not alexander roosevelt palmer the blood of more than a dozen first families flowed in his veins of course he said to himself elsie's words to-night were worth no more than mine she was like myself excited she is as true as steel everywhere and always AND AS FOR PRIDE, THE CHILTON BLOOD DOES NOT FLOW IN VERY LOWLY CHANNELS, BESIDE. THE IDEA INVOLVED IN THAT LAST BESIDE HE DID NOT FORMULATE EVEN IN THOUGHT. IT REALLY MEANT THE IDEA OF ANY SANE GIRL VOLUNTARILY RELEASING ALEC PALMER FROM AN ENGAGEMENT OF MARRIAGE. HIS DECISION, AFTER MATURE DELIBERATION, AND HAVING GIVEN HIS FIRST ANGER TIME TO COOL, WAS THAT HE WOULD BE EXTREMELY JUDICIOUS it would certainly be well to let elsie understand that it was not wise to trifle with him in the way she had been doing a little dignified holding aloof he resolved would be excellent for her to this end he absented himself for more than a week merely taking the precaution to send a note to mr chilton asking if he could serve him in any way in boston whither he had determined to go on business also after the lapse of a week or so, he let Mr. Chilton know, incidentally, that he had returned, yet it was several days before he made any demonstration to Elsie. However, nearly two weeks from the time when he had taken his abrupt leave of her, she received by a special messenger the following note. "'My dear Elsie, you have of course heard, through your father, that I have been absent on business.' It detained me longer than i had expected and since my return i have been too closely confined to important duties even to write to you this evening will be my first leisure hour and i shall hasten to be with you at as early a moment as possible i hardly know whether it is wise to refer at all to our last somewhat trying interview of course i give you credit for too much good sense to have taken to heart the somewhat strong language which i believe i used at that time Indeed. If I remember correctly, you were also somewhat unfortunate as to your choice of words. The truth is, we were both excited, unduly so, I now think, and perhaps were not responsible for our words. At least, I am willing to forget those of yours which grieved me. I have now to propose that we drop all discordant themes, sink them into oblivion, I hope. Perhaps the wise way for both of us will be to ignore the recent past and commence anew, I have something of importance to bring to your consideration, something which is exceedingly pleasant to me, and which I trust will not be unpleasant to you. But enough of this on paper. I am pressed for time, and yet can scarcely wait for evening. I am yours as ever, Alec. Over this letter Elsie had grown pale, to the degree that her stepmother, who entered the room at the moment of its reading, paused in dismay, and said, hastily, Elsie, what can be the matter? Is there a ghost hidden in that note? Is anything wrong with Alec? Mrs. Chilton was unaware of any coldness between the young people. Mind and heart had been busy with her own affairs of late to the extent that she had almost forgotten her anxieties concerning them. You will remember that she was summoned hastily to her mother's dying bed. She had been much separated from her early home and had never been a daughter who was in all respects congenial to her mother yet the summons home for such a cause had been a shock she had not realized that one belonging to her could die despite the uncongeniality and the longer years of separation mother is mother still and mrs chilton's tears fell fast over her coffin and the people looked on pitifully and told one another how inconsolable she was and how beautiful she looked in her mourning and mrs chilton came home again as soon as custom had decreed that it would do at times she thought that there had come a gloom into her life and sighed at times she felt that mourning was becoming to her and it was well it was for robert would not like her to look dismal there were many duties to society that even in her mourning it seemed proper for her to remember still the episode gave a sort of relief to the whirl of engagements enabling her to excuse herself where she desired to be excused and to accept with becoming gravity certain invitations which she wanted to always prefacing such acceptances with a little sigh and the grave statement that one must not be selfish in one's grief these and kindred duties her mind had been busy with during the early days of her return elsie and her prospects had slipped into the background but that pallid face put her on the alert again she questioned Mr. Chilton when he came by appointment for her to ride. "'I don't know what they are about,' he grumbled. Elsie is being an idiot, probably. She seems to have taken up that role lately, and plays it extremely well. Palmer has been away on business. He wrote, asking me to let Elsie know. I thought it would have been more in keeping if he had written to her, and I suppose some quarrel between them is the reason of his not doing so. But I asked no questions.' If they cannot manage their affairs without my help, I'm sorry for them. Yes, Palmer has been at home for two days, at least. I don't know, but three. Hasn't he called? They both need masters. A couple of silly children playing at life. Silence for a few minutes, then this. I try to find out, Augusta. How matters stand. I'm so vexed with Elsie that I don't want to talk with her about that or anything else— Oh, there's nothing particularly new, some of that fanatical preacher's ideas coming to the front. But there must be no break with Palmer. That she must understand. I'll have no daughter of mine posing in such a character before the gossips. Beside. And his wife knew that Beside covered a multitude of reasons why there must be no break with Palmer, business reasons more important than those which affected merely human hearts. As for Elsie, she still sat in her room where her stepmother had left her. She had been glad when she saw her father and mother drive away. She wanted to be alone in the house. She felt overwhelmed with the burden of her troubles. The ten days just passed had been days to remember. There had been a fierce battle fought with the tempter, and she almost did not yet know which had conquered. Sincere to the heart's core herself— she had believed that the words with which Alec Palmer had left her on that evening they had spent together were meant to be final, so far as he was concerned. But she also believed that if she could write to him, or send for him to come to her, she should tell him that the ideas which had so disturbed him should be put aside, that she would be the sort of woman he expected her to be, the sort of woman he believed he had won, that he loved her enough to take back those words of separation and declare peace between them now can you understand the fierceness of the battle elsie chilton even in her unthinking girlhood which now seemed to her so long ago was not one to pledge herself lightly with her word to alec palmer she believed she had given her whole heart since then she had changed it is true and she recognized sadly that there were important subjects upon which she and her promised husband did not agree there had been times especially after that talk with aunt hannah when she had felt with great throbs of pain that perhaps aunt hannah was right and she ought not to consummate her engagement with one not in sympathy with her new views of life but elsie chilton's higher experience had been very recent and there came always to her assistance the memory of that solemn pledge between them if we were not engaged said the poor girl sorrowfully if i had not in the most solemn and unreserved manner given myself to him for life and if he should ask me now for the first time to be his wife i should know that i must not but are such earnest vows as i made asking god to help me to count for nothing under this heavy conflict of ought i and ought i not her life had been spent for weeks there being all the time however an undertone belief that in the sight of god she was pledged an engagement entered into deliberately as hers had been without compulsion of any sort, ought perhaps to be as sacred as marriage. Aunt Hannah did not seem to think so, but, then, Aunt Hannah was old, and thought strongly in certain lines, perhaps without giving due regard to arguments on the other side. If only she could know without asking what her pastor thought. But she shrank from going over the subject with him, as being a humiliation too deep for her, and perhaps dishonorable to Alec. If I only had a mother, was the outcry of this poor heart many a time during these wearing days. And yet, foolish lamb, one who had promised to be more than father and mother to his own, was leading her through the darkness all the time. Into the perplexities of the hour had come those parting words of Alex. Now, at least, according to her logic of a little while before, Elsie knew her duty— he had hurriedly and utterly thrown off the pledges she had thought to be so binding freed her without a moment's hesitation as to his right to do so and yet she was not at rest she shrank utterly from the ordeal through which mere passiveness on her side would now lead her she thought of the gossip which would result and imagined the questions leveled at her to say nothing of the eyes from those who would not dare to question until her throat burned as though she had been scalded with the words which she knew she would have to bear above all she thought of her father how entirely his heart was set upon this union of two old and honourable names she hardly understood yet enough of his strong feeling had come to the surface to make her realize the importance of the step she was now considering also there was her stepmother elsie's heart cried out for a mother yet she was by no means insensible to the fact that mrs chilton had been to her an exceptionally good stepmother she had petted her in her childhood and lavished untold thought and care upon her wardrobe her home appointments her interests in general during all these years she too had set her heart upon this marriage had spared no pains to secure to elsie all the pleasures connected with this period of her life which it was possible to secure from abundant leisure and unlimited indulgence Elsie had been all her life fond of her stepmother had been grateful to her in a sense while recognizing of late as she had not before the great void which was unfilled she still liked her stepmother so well that the thought of disappointing her in this darling wish of her life was a deep added pain what of her own heart meantime why perhaps you will be able to understand me when i say that elsie gave it extremely little attention she believed that of course it would ache. Of course she loved Alec Palmer, and of course it would be like giving up part of her life to give him up. That was to be accepted as part of the ordeal which needed no looking at. The only question for her, after all, was that supreme one. What is right? She settled it at last, on her knees. She would write no letter, speak no word of recall. Since the one whom she had given the right to hold her pledged had of his own accord given back her pledges, she would not in any way place upon herself again vows not in accord with the supreme motive which must from henceforth rule her life. She had barely reached, during these ten days, the quiet stage which follows an important decision that one believes to be final. She had not yet decided how or when to reveal the state of affairs to her father and mother. Circumstances favored her silence. Her father held himself aloof and immersed in business to an unusual degree, even for him, and her mother was engaged in making the wheels of her world run smoothly in the grooves which her mourning made necessary. Very soon she must tell them, but for the present she would hold herself quiet. Into this comparative quiet came the calm, assured letter, a copy of which I have given you. A letter in which the writer claimed her as composedly as though he had not of his own accord thrown her off and bade her let the subject upon which they differed drop for ever into oblivion an hour after its reception she still sat with that letter in her hand and a feeling almost of terror in her heart how utterly this complicated her life hedged her way what was the next step to take but before she had time to commence an answer to this question there came an interruption—another note. The gentleman was waiting for an answer, the servant said. Elsie did not recognize the writing, but made haste to read. Miss Chilton. Dear friend, your little Nelly is dying. I do not think that she can live through the evening. Her mother tells me that since yesterday morning she has begged for you almost constantly— so distressed was the poor mother, that this morning she sent a messenger to your father's office, praying you to come to the child. I assured her that you could not have received the word, or you would have been there. I shall take the liberty to wait at your door for an answer to this, in hope that you will permit me to take you at once to Foundry Street. I pray, God, that we may not be too late to grant the poor little sufferer's last pitiful wish. Sincerely, Earl Mason before this note was fairly read, Elsie was on her way downstairs. "'Mr. Mason,' she said hurriedly, "'what am I to do? My father has forbidden me going to Nellie's home again. It is the only thing which has kept me from her. My father is not at home, and I fear I cannot reach him in time. What ought I to do?' "'My dear friend, you promised to come again, and the child is dying. There can be no possible harm in your keeping your word.' your father must be misinformed as to the locality it is a perfectly decent street though the people living on it are so wretchedly poor the drunken men who find their homes there are not on the street in the daytime as for the poor father he is in no state to do you harm now he is utterly crushed with grief and remorse miss chilton i will pledge my word that you shall not be annoyed in any way Elsie had turned toward the stairs again before his sentence was concluded. "'Thank you,' she said quietly. "'I will be ready in a moment. "'Jean,' to the servant-in-waiting, "'say to Mama when she returns that I have gone to Foundry Street with Mr. Mason to see my little Nellie. "'She is dying. "'They sent for me this morning, and I did not receive word. "'Tell Mamma I will return as soon as I can, but she need not be anxious about me. "'Mr. Mason will see that I am taken care of.' Very soon thereafter, Mrs. Chilton, having dropped her husband at the office and picked up Alec Palmer, alighted with that gentleman from her carriage and led the way to her own door. "'Take a seat in the library, Alec. You will be less liable to interruption there. Jean, say to Miss Elsie that Mr. Palmer is here.' "'Miss Elsie's out, ma'am,' said Jean, awaiting further orders. "'Out?' repeated the lady, in dismay. "'Are you sure?' I understood her that she was not going out at all this afternoon yes ma'am i'm quite sure she went a little while ago she was called away ma'am it is a little girl one of her sunday children and she is dying she wanted miss elsie bad i heard him say so myself heard whom say so why do you not speak so that i can understand you mr mason ma'am he came for her and she said to tell you she would come back as quick as she could "'and you were not to worry, because Mr. Mason would take care of her. "'I believe in my soul she is infatuated with that fellow.' "'It was Mr. Palmer who muttered this sentence. "'He had not gone into the library, but lingered in the hall and heard Jean's story. "'Even Mrs. Chilton was displeased. "'She waited only for the retreating form of Jean to be lost to sight, then said, "'Softly, Alec, softly, you forget that you are speaking of our daughter.' That is not a sentence which Elsie's father would like to hear you utter. "'I beg your pardon, Mrs. Chilton. I hardly know what I am saying. I have been through a fearful ordeal since I last saw you. I do not know. Come into the library, please, and let me talk to you.' An hour later the dinner-bell sounded in the hall, and Mr. Palmer and his hostess came out from the library. "'No, I will not stay to dinner,' he said. "'I am not in the mood. I will come again, perhaps.' "'Or suppose you say to Elsie "'that at any time when she is at leisure to see me "'she might send me word. "'Do not be foolishly hard on the child, Alec. "'She is very much attached to her little scholars "'and is easily wrought upon in any way. "'You must make all due allowance "'for the peculiar influence under which she has been drawn. "'I confess I shall be glad when it is removed.' "'It shall be removed,' the gentleman said, bitterly, "'with an ominous drawing down of his eyebrows.' But you must not be rash or unduly in haste, Alec, said Mrs. Chilton, a little anxiously. Such matters will not bear precipitancy. Good evening, said the young man, still gloomily and with drawn eyebrows. He looked as though he did not care how rash he was, nor how soon Kansas Square Church had a vacant pulpit. End of chapter 24